Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Welcome to another episode of 20-Minute Bible Studies. Romans 10:17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Over the next several minutes, you're going to hear an important message directly from God's Word and have your faith and knowledge increased. All you have to do is listen. Now, here are your teachers. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us again on 20-Minute Bible Studies. I'm Andy Baylog. And I'm Jordan Pine. Let's get started. Today, we're studying a passage from the Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus that should inspire great excitement in every Christian who reads it. Join us now as we listen to the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Ephesians 1, 18-21 We begin with the SPACE method. SPACE is an acronym. SP stands for speaker, A for audience, C for context, and E for explanation. We created this acronym to remind Bible students to think about who is speaking and to whom, what was happening at the time, and the theme and message of the verses leading up to the scripture reading. We believe it's critical to consider these things before attempting to interpret scripture. So let's use the space method here, Jordan. Okay, SP speaker. The speaker is the Apostle Paul. We see this in Ephesians 1.1, which says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, and then it says, by the will of God. So Paul reminds us that he is a full apostle and that this was God's will. God directly intervened in his life when he was on the road to Damascus. He met Jesus, was blinded and converted from Saul to Paul, and then later spent three years in Arabia receiving a revelation of Jesus Christ, according to Galatians. We believe this revelation is what the Apostle Paul calls my gospel in his letters. So when you read this letter, when we read this letter, we should look for the special truths about the kingdom that Paul was given, his gospel. So the audience here is the church at Ephesus, specifically the faithful in Christ Jesus, according to Ephesians 1.1. And as we mentioned in a recent study of Ephesians 2, 8 to 10, this was a prominent church, and it was the home base of Christianity in that region, which is the country of Turkey today. The church consisted mainly of saved Gentiles, who you could say were more spiritually mature than some other churches, because the Apostle Paul had personally pastored them for about three years, you could say. They had also been mentored by Apollos, Aquila, and Priscilla, and had church elders. So again, we should expect the content of this letter to contain deeper truths meant for spiritually mature Christians. As for the context, it's that Paul is in prison. 
and he's writing to his beloved church to encourage them and remind them of some core doctrine. The letter was written late in Paul's ministry, around 60 to 62 AD, during his first Roman imprisonment. These prison epistles, as they're called, were how Paul continued to shepherd his churches, even when he was separated from them. As for the scriptural context, the verses before our scripture reading highlight several key doctrines. Okay, so one of the key doctrines is election, and we see that in 1 verse 4. And it says, He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless. Another is adoption, and we see that in verse 5, and it reads, He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ. So Paul wants to remind these Gentiles that despite not being from among God's chosen people, Israel, they have full rights as adopted sons. Right, and rights to what? To inherit the riches of the Father. That is, this section of Ephesians is critical to the study of what our founder, the late pastor Gary Whipple, called Redemption, Adoption, and Inheritance. On our website, there's a complete preaching series by that name from Pastor Whipple, and we'd love to share it with anyone who wants to go deeper after hearing this lesson. So, if you're interested in that, just shoot us an email at info at motk.org. MOTK is the initials of our ministry, Mysteries of the Kingdom. That's motk.org. For today, though, suffice to say, the scriptural context is the Apostle Paul talking about the glorious inheritance that these faithful Christians in Ephesus should keep in mind. Okay, Jordan, so now that we know the speaker, the audience, and context of our scripture reading, I think we're ready to attempt an explanation. So let's hear it again. Ephesians 1.18 I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Okay, Jordan, so there's three key phrases here in this verse, and I want to break down each one. And the first one being eyes of your heart. And when we look at this carefully, I believe that what Paul is trying to convey to the reader is that he's trying to separate, you know, the the eyes of a human, you know, in other words, what we physically see right, compared to what the, the spiritual heart sees. And I think that... What Paul's main point is, he's trying to say, look, I know that you've seen me and you know that I'm, you know, uh, a, a disciple of Jesus Christ. And now that you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and that he was resurrected and that your salvation is secure, there's something more that I want your spirit to understand. And that's what it comes down to. He wants their deeper spirit to have a, a vision of uh, an understanding of what he's trying to convey here in these upcoming verses. The next key phrase is the word hope, and I just want our, our listeners to really understand and never forget, and this was one of the, the key words that helped me understand the kingdom truths as well, is that the words faith and hope, though they're commonly, you know, it's a misnomer that, you know, they might be the same or similar, they're actually quite different. Um, faith is something that a Christian knows for sure, 100%, knows that, um, in, in other words, when we're talking about our salvation or salvation of the spirit. It's something that we know for a fact, and it's speaking of the first coming of Christ and Jesus's finished work on the cross Right. versus the hope, um, which is something different. It's, it's looking forward to what possibly might or might not happen. So faith is something in the past that we know for sure, and hope is something that, you know, we're hoping one day might come to fruition. And, you know, one example that I've used in the past is, is comparing them as, you know, 
you know, I have faith. I know for a fact that, you know, I'm a father of three children, but I, I hope one day, for instance, that, you know, I would hit the lottery and, and I could provide everything I need to provide to my family and so on and so forth. So, so I just want our, our listeners to understand there is a huge difference. And whenever that word hope is used specifically in context in, in scripture, it's directing our eyes of our heart to look at the possibility of, of something that we hope to have, even though we're Christians, we hope to have. Yeah. And, and it says the hope of his calling, which is um, interesting because you, you mentioned the lottery because the next thing you're about to talk about, what appears next in that verse is sort of like a lottery of sorts, right? Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, and then that, that brings me to the, you know, my next, my, my final key phrase is the inheritance in the saints. And, you know, what does that refer to? And obviously it's referring to something that all Christians have the opportunity to attain to. Um, it's not something that's guaranteed to all Christians. For instance, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believe unto him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And the key there is to remember that he says he promises everlasting life. He doesn't promise every Christian to have an inheritance right. amongst the saints. So Paul in this verse is trying to get the Christians, the faithful Christians of the church at Ephesus to look at something greater beyond their salvation. Yeah. The riches of the glory is the, also a phrase that jumped out at me in, in terms of, you know, riches, you were mentioning the lottery. That's why I thought of it. And then also just, you know, in case anyone is hearing the word saints who doesn't understand what that term means that we're not talking about, you know, like St. Peter and St. Paul, that, that term is a generic term in, right. in this context that, uh, that means all, all saved people, all believers. Uh, moving on to Ephesians 1.19, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? And that word believe is interesting, Andy. It's a uh, pistuo, which is a present active participle. We always like to delve into the Greek. Um, I, I read the Bible in many different translations. We favor the NASB, New American Standard Bible, but uh, people read the NIV, the King James, the New King James. There are so many different translations, all available online and, and in print. And um, even when I read the NASB, which I happen to think is one of the truer interpretations of the Bible, I always go deeper uh, on certain words if I really want to get into the meat of the word and look at the Greek. Yeah, and I think it's very important to our listeners to understand that it's almost necessary that we look at the original Greek and do our best to understand it because it could really focus on, you know, the understanding of true doctrine. Right. A lot of times, you know, all translations are great, but when we're talking about critical verses like these— if you don't have a good understanding of what the original Greek is saying or translating, it could cause us to go in, you know, in the wrong direction or possibly pick up the wrong doctrine. Right. And most of the New Testament's written in what's called Koine Greek, or, or uh, as my dad liked to say, fish market Greek. It was a common uh, Greek that was spoken in the market. And um, it's a really fascinating language because it's so difficult to capture its true meaning in English. English and New, and New Testament Greek are two totally different languages. If you ever want to get a sense of that, pick up the Amplified Bible, which will put every equivalent English word for certain words in parentheses after it appears. And you'll see like how many different words in English could possibly sort of get to the, the root meaning of the word. Anyway, um, the, the other thing about New Testament Greek is that it has different moods and tenses and, and much more complicated grammar stuff than even English does. So in this case, that word believe toward us who believe Pistuo, it's a present active participle, which means a better translation would be toward us who are believing. Notice the, the continuing belief. 
And of course, that raises a question to anyone with a kingdom mind reading this. Why is continuing belief necessary? And could we lose our salvation if we stop believing? Mm. And let's see what the scriptures say. Andy, if you'd read 2 Timothy 2.13, I'd appreciate it. Sure. It says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And again, remember, in Timothy here, the target audience is Christians. Right. So it's not saying, the scripture is not saying that if we don't believe in Jesus Christ, in other words, he's not speaking to, to the non-believer. He's talking to Christians who might have minimal faith in, in better terms. Right. And what he's saying is that, look, if we don't walk the, the path of faith, pleasing God according to scripture, regardless of how lost we might look, God still remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. So Jordan, you know, the question arises, is it just nice to keep believing because it makes God smile? Right. Well, not quite. And if we read on in our scripture reading, verse 19 continues, these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. And moving on to verse 20, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Yeah. I mean, if you see here, notice, Jordan, that he mentions all three roles or offices of Jesus Christ in just this one clause. And something important again for our listeners is that it's always important that to understand that Jesus Christ, his full name is Lord Jesus Christ. That's his three names. That's right. his, you know, and, and it represents his full office. And, and you know, when they're used separately and together in different combinations, it emphasizes his different roles. Right. So here, Paul puts Christ first, and uh, the word means Messiah or anointed one, the promised king. And we'll see more about that office in the next verse. But he also mentions his role as the prophet Jesus. Jesus is his prophet name. His, his man name, which um, who was executed as all prophets were and then raised again from the dead. And he even mentions his current office in the present, which is as our Lord and our intercessor seated at God's right hand. So all three names in that order, emphasizing his kingship first, which is a future role um, and his past role as the prophet who died. And then his current role as lo- as Lord over our lives and the intercessor sitting at the right hand of God. Right. Currently, he's our high priest. I know a lot of people like to call him, you know, King Jesus right now. But um, actually, um, that that is a prophetic term. Right. He won't officially be king until he comes back to rule and reign on the earth, which is going to be the beginning of the millennial kingdom. Yeah, and you can see all that in Revelation. Revelation 20, for example, talks about all that timing and stuff like that. Correct. So, moving on, Ephesians 1.21. And it reads, Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So, Jordan, here we see the full description of his third office. Yeah, he is and will be far above all authorities, ruling with all power and dominion, Above every name, the King of Kings. Yeah, and I, I specifically noticed the phrase age to come. And I want our, our listeners to know also that word age, when you define it in the Greek, in the Koine Greek, is actually the word eon. And that's where we get the word eon from in our English language. And, you know, more important, it, you know, this word is so key is to know that many times in the Bible, the word eon and its forms are translated eternal or eternity when you read it in Scripture. But here it's clear that can't be the meaning of eon. Yeah, right. It wouldn't make any sense, right? The verse would teach that Jesus is far above all in this eternity and the eternity to come, which, again, doesn't make any sense. Right. 
So the word is correctly translated age here and should be translated that way wherever it appears. Just remember, when you see the word eternity in the New Testament, it might better be translated for an age or age lasting and not forever in the sense that we think of it. And so, you know, a question might arise, you know, what age to come is the Apostle Paul actually talking about? And the age that comes after Christ's second coming, the age of Christ's thousand-year reign over all the earth, and that's, like you mentioned earlier, is prophesied in Revelation chapter 20. So, you know, let's put this all together in simpler terms. What are these verses from the book of Ephesians trying to tell us, Jordan? My take on that is Paul is actually prepping the church at Ephesus for something greater than they've ever known. Many of the the early church back then was established not only by Paul, there was many other disciples and apostles that went out throughout that area, throughout the region, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? The gospel of grace. So what Paul is doing now, he's presenting what he called in other books, like the book of Romans, he called it my gospel. He was introducing something new, but something that would give them hope and joy, looking forward to something greater. And what he's doing in these verses is he's prepping them. He loves them. He he makes that clear in the beginning of Ephesians. He's proud of them. He's honored by their their love for God and their love for one another. And he's he's actually just introducing and prepping them and saying, look, I'm so proud of you. I love you. I want to introduce now something greater that will give you an anchor to your soul and what God has prepared. You might not know about this yet, but God has something great prepared. And it's the best way I can explain it, he would say, is the word inheritance. Yeah, and we're going to see this theme recurring throughout all the epistles as we continue to study them, because in the early church, they faced a lot of persecution, physical persecution. You know, in this passage alone, he mentions the idea of authority, rule, power, dominion, because they were under uh, an oppressive uh, rulership. Um, the early Christians were blamed for everything from Nero blamed them for fires, and they were they were tortured, and they were thrown in prison, and of course, the Apostle Paul is writing from his first imprisonment in Rome, so he's in a time of uh, persecution. So a, a lot of this is about is about um, you know not getting caught up in earthly temporal things, keeping your you know your physical eyes only see struggle, but your he's hoping that their spiritual eyes it says that the the eyes of their heart might be enlightened so that they can look forward in the future and recognize that there's a glorious inheritance. And also at the same time, even now, he says in around verse 20 that, um, you know, where's Jesus Christ? He's at the right hand of the father above all these oppressive rulers and everything to keep that in mind as well. But really, you know, again, once again, that the whole Bible, uh, when you have your kingdom eyes on is full of the kingdom. And here we see it again. I mean, the riches of his glory, that, that theme recurs the idea of inheritance. Like if you can just persevere even unto death, you know, this great eternal sure. reward in, in, in the age to come. These verses were not only written for the church at Ephesus, obviously, but also for for these last days, for us, for you and I, for our families, and for every Christian in the world to have an understanding of these. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I probably heard these verses in, you know, a regular church, Christian church, and they overlook these key details. And sure. the key to this ministry is to help our listeners, and we pray every Christian in the world, that they would look a little deeper and see what's really going on here. And and that's the key to this, this episode today, is that we can apply this right now. Every Christian should be able to apply this right now. So the way Paul felt about 
the Christian church at Ephesus then. Definitely, you and I feel this way about our brethren, our, our Christian brothers. What we want more than anything, the same way it happened to us, like Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 10, freely you received, freely give. The same way we receive these truths and it, it really changed our lives. We want you to listener to not only receive these, but pass these on to everyone you know. And we want you to have joy in your heart and understanding what's going on here. So the key is, is, you know, Paul is saying, look, I love you. I'm so proud of you. You guys are, you guys are awesome. But I pray in my personal time, Paul is saying, I pray. And Jordan and I are doing this too, believe it or not. We pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that God would open up your spiritual deeper eye so that you will know what the hope of his calling is. In other words, not just, you know, you're saved, but there's so much more. That's just the beginning. But there's something, there's a hope to it that's added on to your salvation. There's something that's added on to eternal life. And what happens is when people don't know the hope, they go back to their initial salvation and they try to force a doctrine saying that, well, you see, if you don't abide to these truths, which Paul's going to teach later on in the book of, the, of Ephesus, that there's a chance that Christians can lose their salvation. But really what Paul's trying to say and what God ultimately is trying to say is, we don't, we're not saying, God is not saying that you're going to lose your salvation. Right. He's saying you're going to lose the inheritance right. if you don't abide to this righteous living. And Paul is saying, and again, we're saying together, Jordan and I, is that we want you to have hope in the calling that one day at the judgment seat of Christ, God might find all of us worthy of coming back to rule and reign with Jesus Christ on this earth for a thousand years during his millennial kingdom. Yeah, another way of talking about it is faith with a purpose as well. And that's what I Amen. think he's trying to communicate here. So, you know, earlier we talked about, you know, why keep believing? Is it just to make God smile? And that, that might have got a little confusing, but that, that tends to be the dominant um, theology today. Like, you know, when, when, when you read the Bible or you hear uh, someone preach on these passages of the Bible, the the question becomes, well, why? Why do we have to keep believing, you know, wasn't wasn't faith once good enough? And that's because people are rooted in this idea of initial salvation, like you said, of losing your salvation, not losing your salvation, all kinds of false doctrines arise. But the reason he talks about keep on believing is because he wants he wants to have faith with a purpose, not to make God smile, although obviously our, our works do make God smile. Sure. It, it's really to earn, to earn, to qualify, to receive this glorious inheritance, these glorious riches in the next in the next age. Exactly, Jordan. And unfortunately, if people don't see these truths, what we call kingdom truths, false doctrines will arise. And that's our lesson for today. Studying the Word of God is so vital to our spiritual growth, and yet it can be so hard sometimes to find a good study group and then attend that group on a regular basis. This is why we created 20-Minute Bible Studies. Everyone can find 20 minutes for God, and now, with this audio program, that's all Christians will need. They can listen to a Bible study whenever and wherever they like. The Give 20 initiative is your chance to participate in this great ministry and receive the special blessings that come from spreading God's Word. By giving just $20 per month, you can help us create more lessons and reach more believers than ever before. Plus, we pledge that every cent you contribute will go directly toward recording and broadcasting more lessons like the one you heard today. And since our ministry is an official nonprofit registered with the government, your donation is also fully tax deductible. To join our Give 20 initiative, visit 20mbs.org and click donate. And finally, 20-Minute Bible Studies is a ministry of Mysteries of the Kingdom. 
a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating Christians in preparation for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you liked what you heard today and want to go deeper into God's Word, we strongly recommend you visit the website of Mysteries of the Kingdom, MOTK.org. Yes, these radio studies are just 20 minutes, but our MOTK lessons last as long as needed to fully understand whatever passage of Scripture we're studying. So if you're interested in learning more about what you heard today, you'll definitely want to check out our in-depth, multi-part studies, which are available for free at MOTK.org. Thank you so much for your 20 minutes. I'm Andy Balog. And I'm Jordan Pine. May God bless you. Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple, to the Abundant Life Worship Center for the music for our show, and to Tom Pine for our scripture reading. I'm Steve Zioli, and until next time, May the word of Christ dwell in you richly. All rights reserved. Mysteries of the Kingdom Incorporated.